Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Argyle Chat, the Plymouth Argyle podcast brought to you by the Herald Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Argyle Chat. Joining me today to look back on another fine win for the Pilgrims are our Argyle experts Chris Errington and Baron Cross. Hi guys. Hi Joe. Good morning. And a very warm welcome to today's special guest, Sky Sports' Michelle Owen. Hi Michelle. Morning guys. How are you, alright? Yeah, very well, thank you. Very well. Good stuff. How was your weekend? We see that you were at Newport v Leeds yesterday. Season. I was just about to say that. Actually, they're, sort of, yeah. they're, they're getting their, they're sort yeah. of their own their own moment in the in the spotlight after missing out on Liverpool last season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, no, it's, it's good for them. And like I said, I know the money will work wonders for them. And they said, you know, Mike Flynn said in tonight's draw he wants to go to Anfield. So uh, <laughs> let's see. Like Doesn't want much. We can, we can recommend it. We quite enjoy going <laughs> yeah. to Anfield. Yeah. 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 Very special day. <laughs> you were going today, wasn't it, guys? So, yeah, it was. Yeah. 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 It was. Yeah. Yeah, year ago today, it's hard to believe. So much has happened yeah. since. Uh, well, we had, we sent an appeal out for uh, questions, Michelle, and we've had plenty sent in and, and lots directed mainly to you. So if we can, we'll start with one from Jim. Uh, can Michelle give us a rundown of how her day goes when covering a game at Home Park? I would also like to give her to give us some realities of how unglamorous the job probably is at times, despite <laughs> us all thinking it is full of thrills. <laughs> You know what, Jim? It's probably the same like for Chris and Barrett. You know, they're, obviously they're doing the, the written press and, and that's a little bit different. So when you're with uh, Sky doing a game in Vision, our vantage point is also different 
um, again, it's not the best actually to go to Home Park. Uh, we're down in the grandstand. As you look at the pitch, we're on the far left, right in the corner, uh, just by the kiosk there. So uh, we'll get there sort of like a couple of hours before kickoff and go into uh, the, the little press room. Have a cup of tea, see if they've got me a vegetarian pasty. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, then I'll just go straight up to the press box and, and catch up like, with Chris and Darren and anyone else who, who might be there. Um, and, you know, for me, it's quite important to find out what's been going on because we do different teams every week, obviously. So you do your pre match prep probably the night before and you like, have a little stat pass and look through that. But I know that the best people to, to chat to are the people that cover them every week. So I'll go and pick sort of Chris and Darren's brains about what's been going on and things. Uh, I've only been down once this season, which is um, a bit disappointing, but you know, now you're sort of going up the table, who knows what might, ha- might happen. Uh, so then sort of about two o'clock, the team news comes out, and I'm pretty familiar with Argyle most of the time, but I sort of pick the brains about who's playing where, and the opposition, have a word with their press officer. Then we go down to our little corner, uh, which often is quite wet and windy, and uh, we have down the elements, and then it's just a case to do an update through the game. So during the game, we'll sort of just get told to stand by by our producer in our ear, and then Jeff will come to us um, pretty much straight away. So the goal will come straight away. We don't have any replays. We don't have a monitor, so like I can't see what's what's going on. I have to sort of keep my eyes on the game at, at all times. But you know, it's, it's it's great. It's fun. I really enjoy it. So when the game's done, um, we'll go off and do post match in the little cabin behind the. Grandstand with uh, Derek Adams and the opposition manager, and then after that we'll, we'll feed that back to Sky, and they'll play that out in the evening, and that's that's the day done. Then drive drive back home, but it's um, it's always nice to come to Plymouth. You know, I've got to know Derek and Chris and the staff there really well over the years, and uh, my husband is a Plymouth Argyle supporter, so every now and then he'll tag along and uh, come and watch as well. So it's it's pretty much the same as the written guys, except you know we're just instead of writing down what's happening, I'm just telling you the yeah. camera but yeah really enjoy it and like I said it's a nice place to come yeah indeed um, a question from Angie honest answer please the best and that, that's her words not mine <laughs> uh, the best and worst <laughs> managers to interview and why also does Michelle have any funny stories of any press conferences such as phones going off managers calling someone a name etc uh, I feel like you're putting me on the spot there with the, <laughs> the best and worst managers well you know relating to the Derek Adams has always been absolutely brilliant to deal with he's never been rude even when you know you've been on a bad run or whatever like I think I did him back in October this year always said fly uh, you know for me you're always given good little sound bites that's what you're looking for when you're interviewing a manager the worst and he has since redeemed himself was uh, Keith Curl down at actually down at Argyle I think it was maybe it was last season um, we do so many <laughs> they all seem to merge into one yeah. but it was after, I think, Carlisle, was it 2-0, guys? They lost? I got beat Carlisle, and I think Carlisle were in a wretched yeah. run, weren't they? They yeah. basically dropped That's out of the playoffs right. from being in a really good position. Right? That's right, and Carlisle was slipping down. And um, I remember saying to him, uh, I think maybe Reggie Lamb, perhaps there was a goal or goal disallowed. Um, yeah. The fact escaped me, but yeah, I was right. asking him about it, and he, he was like, well, what do you think? And I was like, well... <laughs> People would like to know what you think. And they manage to do that quite a lot. And, and he's like, well, I'm not going to answer that because I'll get fined. And things like that. And mm. um, I was saying, oh, Reggie, uh, Reggie Lamb. And he just looked at me like for five seconds because like Reggie Lamb's name had escaped me. He just looked at me before I answered. I was like, oh, my gosh. I want this cabin to swallow me up <laughs> and take me away. Because he was just, just really awkward. 
You know, it's a bad start when they throw your question back at you and ask you your opinion. It's, it also buys some thinking time when they do that, doesn't it? Yeah. The thing is, it's always tricky after games as well, isn't it? Because you're catching a manager when there's still raw of emotion Absolutely. from, what, from yeah. what's gone on. And, um, you know, I'm always aware, and, and all people I think that talk to managers after a game are aware, you need to word your questions carefully, don't you? Because if you word the question inappropriately, wrong, wrong, wrong adjective. The, the, the manager who's a bit grumpy after a penalty decision or a red card or a defeat is going to go for you, isn't he? Mm. So it's, it's not as easy as just sticking a microphone mm. under somebody's uh, mouth, is it? Spot on. I think it's the most difficult part of the day, actually, just like you say. If they're in not the best mood, if a decision's gone against them, mm. or they've lost heavily, <laughs> or it's going to cost them something ultimately, it's mm. difficult. The managers under pressure are usually um, the worst ones. Uh, because, you know, they're just exactly that stressed. Steve Potter was another one, <laughs> yeah. who is, uh, I, I think we'll all agree, is a little bit of a difficult one. But it's really yeah. funny, I haven't seen him for a couple of years. Mm. And I did post-match with him um, a couple of weeks ago when Birmingham City uh, beat Leeds 1-0 at St Andrews. And he came in and uh, he was like, oh, hello, he was like, really friendly. And obviously his voice, he was happy. And uh, was like overly friendly, and I was like, "Oh, hi, Steve! I haven't seen you since the Bristol City days." Because obviously he was manager there, and uh, it's a bit embarrassing, really. He was just really complimentary, but overly so. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I just felt really awkward, and like was trying to start the interview. But then when we started the interview, like we sort of changed. And I said, "You know, given a balance of um, stats and things, it does seem that you deserve to win. How proud are you of your players?" And you know, that's a perfectly normal yeah, question yeah. not leading really and he was like right I think you're really good at what you do but the word seems you're completely wrong there we completely deserved it and went off oh my god it's so <laughs> unnecessary you know, nitpicking yeah. isn't it uh, yeah the managers can be unpredictable and yeah. like uh, Chris said you know it's all about how you word things and that's for like funny stories and press conferences I don't have too many of those but uh, yeah managers phones are always going off like I don't know why they don't put them on silent or do not disturb but uh, we were doing a uh, Lee Johnson the other day at Bristol City and his phone kept going off. It's like, Lee, just, just switch it to sign. But yeah, no, he's a good Edwin Johnson. But yeah. like, Mi- like Mi- said, it's probably the most difficult part, isn't it, after games? Yeah. Indeed. Michelle, t- tell us about Neil Warnock, because obviously you, you've been and covered a few Cardiff games this season. Neil's obviously someone who Argyle fans know very well. He, he, even though he's not been Argyle manager for many years, he, he still has a, a, a big soft spot for the football club. Um, he's always um, good value to talk to after a game, isn't he? Oh yeah, he knows exactly what to give you, doesn't he, guys? Yeah. He, oh yeah. He he gives you like the perfect soundbite, yeah. and sometimes like he'll just go off and on tangents and go on and on. But I've got a bad word to say about him. Nice. I know some people in the press um, perhaps aren't too sure of him, uh, yeah. for want of a better word. But I think to deal with is like he's always been as good as gold with me. And from when he started at Cardiff City, he was really warm with me. Just he's got a bit of work for Sky, and I think he knew me from sort of around there, even though we hadn't met. Uh, so maybe that's stood in my favour a little bit. But after defeat, you know, he's honest. Um, I know he got fine the other week for something he said, but sort of respect that. You know, uh, what what annoys me ever so slightly is that managers, when they say anything against the referee, it's almost like they're scared to have an opinion now. Like, yeah. well, that's Keith Curlin, just talking about. He knew he could come out and be completely honest with what he wanted to say for the fear of being fined. Yeah. So, and... you know, that's, I guess, from a journalistic perspective, a little bit frustrating. But, yeah, Neil Warnock often isn't afraid to speak his mind. And yeah, I know he's still got a really soft spot for Plymouth Argyle. And obviously, he learned out Matty Kennedy last season. And thinks, was... thinks a lot of clubs need. I think he still comes down occasionally, doesn't he? Yeah, he's yeah, when he can. I mean, he's still got his home in South East Cornwall. So I yeah. think if, if, <laughs> if Cardiff are playing at a weekend or anything like that, um, 
you'll probably find him somewhere on uh, Lucy front or something like that. Yeah, no, so re- really like Neil Warnock. And, hmm. You know, I hope he can take Cardiff up. They're in a bit of a sticky patch at the moment. I think they've lost four on the bounce or something like that. Hmm. Um, but, you know, he knows what he's doing. Hopefully they'll come through it. It would be, be great to see them back, back in the Premier League. I don't know if he'll go with them if he does take them up. But he can't stay away from football, can he? Retired about four times. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, another question from Dave Morgan what is the best match you have seen Argyle play best match would be the playoff semi-final last season the second leg the second leg at home park with the late winner yeah who were they playing I've just forgotten Portsmouth who was it Portsmouth that was it I've thought I'd again is that okay Adam will remind you of that one uh, Michelle now (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah, the best the best one would have to be, and I wasn't working at it actually. I just uh, brought my husband down because he's from Plymouth and he's a massive Plymouth Argyle fan. Was the player final second leg against Portsmouth, and it's all a bit of a blur to be honest because I wasn't covering yet. When you when you cover a game, you guys will agree you watch it in a completely different way um, as to when you're just sitting there and enjoying it. And uh, when they got the late winner and um, everyone went on the pitch at the end of the stuff, it was just, just incredible. And seeing them, you know, having covered them the season before and uh, seeing them sort of struggle a little bit and then come through, to see them get through to the playoffs, OK, ultimately uh, losing out. I went to the final match at Wembley, it was a horrible day. Seeing them lose out to Wimbledon was, was pretty tough, but having seen them go on that run and, and keep around the playoffs and things, it was fantastic and just delighted to the club and the staff and I really thought once you got to the playoffs you'd do it but ultimately had to wait wait another year but good things come to those who wait so no that was just fantastic the atmosphere at home park was the best I've personally experienced on that day yeah there's something special isn't there about getting to Wembley you know it just it really is quite a magical thing for especially for lower league football fans yeah absolutely it's just the worst place to leave though isn't it yeah yeah right there Uh, yeah great day though indeed Moving on then, um, obviously Argyle had a fantastic win against Berry on Saturday. Beryl and Chris, uh, you guys are both there. Um, well, as I say, a, a great win. And I mean, this, this unbeaten run just keeps going on, doesn't it? Yeah, it's uh, a far cry, isn't it, from the end of November when Argyle lost 1-0 at Portsmouth and the bottom of League One. Yeah. Seven games unbeaten, five wins and, and the 12th in the table now. They've played a few more games than, than a lot of the teams around them in the division, but... I'd always rather have the points on the board than games in hand. Mm. And, um, yeah, um, the, the remarkable stat, isn't it, Ian Barron and I were sort of talking about it on Saturday night, is that they're seven points from the playoff places and seven points from the relegation zone. It's yeah. remarkable how it's turned around, isn't it, Barron? I can't believe it. I mean, uh, <laughs> I think it, you showed me the, the lead table after full-time um, amidst the, the flurry of activity after full-time. I didn't think to check the lead table and... Um, I couldn't believe they were 12th and, I, and it made sense when you see how few teams played in League mm. 1 on Saturday but um, it is remarkable the, the turnaround to go from even I remember being sat in one of the offices next to us talking about how Derek Adams had and sort of how desperate does it need to be before yeah. he gets the boot and will he go before January will they give any manager the January transfer window and you look at it now and it's just remarkable isn't it the, the difference that Matthews, Diagaraga, Taylor have made and keeping 11 players on the pitch. So yeah. that's what it comes down to. Yeah. They're the, the four things that changed. And, and, it's, and it's incredible. And you have to give ultimate credit to every single player, staff member that, that's kept faith in their programme, their structure. Um, and they've adapted, haven't they? They've improved. They've raised their game uh, where necessary. And that 
they know how to win in League One now. I mean, they, they are we're very used to it. Yeah, and, and credit to Adams as well because he's developed their brand of football. You know, yeah. we, were, we were worried about where the goals were going to come from. Mm. They weren't even creating chances, yeah. but now they're scoring goals, they're playing some good football, and everyone seems really happy. Yeah, there's an, an incredible style. balance to the team, which I remember from last season, and that he's got that that, um, that back five slash six with the, the defence midfielder, and then he's got that front five, including what was Diagaraga and uh, and Sarsovic, and then those those front three, which, I mean, we've discussed about this before, but Lemiras is return to the side we know we could have seen that coming and you look at him now and he's when he's when he's confident as he was on Saturday he's an incredibly potent player with with Graham Carey they're they're dovetailing they're, they're working around the pitch they've, all, they've almost both got a free roll and mm. they, they're just here there and everywhere they're sometimes on the same side together we noticed on Saturday and you've got Taylor winning those knockdowns and providing that physical um, output that, 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 that keeps the two centre-backs tied up and um, yeah, it's just, it's just working really, really brilliant moment, and yeah. long may it continue. You just got you were just hoping that you know, Jaguaraga's now gone, but we want to keep the other changes as minimal as possible. You know, we don't want any injuries or suspensions to come up, so let's just try and keep it as it is for as long as we can because it's um, it's really working well at the moment. Yeah, we'll come on to Diagaraga in a minute, but Chris, the, the team are, or the club are really at a crossroads now. As we say, there's this almost perfect symmetry of being seven points off the playoffs and seven points above the relegation zone. Yep. The next five games, and when you look at who the opposition Argyle have got, are really going to make or break the season, I guess. Yeah. Um, Richard sent us a question, hasn't he, and, and made that, that very point. Yeah. In the next five games are against some very tough teams. <clears throat> How do you think Argyle will fare in the table in five games' time? Bring on the top three. Let's see if we really are outsiders for the playoffs. Um, the, you're right, Richard. There's some tough games, you know, starting at Doncaster on, on Saturday. There's a, a little bit of a rivalry developing between the two clubs after their time in League Two. Derek Adams and, and Darren Ferguson, the two managers, uh, go back a long way and uh, Scottish and both very competitive. So that's a tough game. And, and as you, you alluded to in your question, Richard, uh, Wigan, Blackburn, Shrewsbury are all coming up. So it's, it's, it's tough games for Argyle. But you know when you're on a run like they are, five wins and, and two draws in the last seven, the, their confidence is... Is sky high. We spoke to Anthony Sarsabek after the game on Saturday, and you know he was, you know, bubbling. You you could feel the the enthusiasm and the excitement that he would just come out of the dressing room, came to the media centre, and um, they're, they're they're all really pleased with the way things are going. Uh, of course, with football, you can never get too high as you can never get too low. You've got to try and be somewhere in the middle. If you get too carried away in a run like this, we all know that football has a nasty habit of. Uh, kicking you down when you least expect it so they need to just keep doing what they've been doing and um, and see where it takes them but um, yeah, it's, it's been a, a, a remarkable run for the last month or so Yeah, Michelle if we can bring you back in obviously football fans are very fickle with uh, their outlook on, on their teams um, where, where do you see our goal going? Do you see, think they're capable of, of kicking on and having a bit of a push for promotion the second half of the season? Well, um, I worked quite a bit on Bristol Rovers because obviously that's my way and it's this conversation I've had about them as well because they've been in that sort of mid-table pack for pretty much the majority of the season but now I've got okay, I think they've got a game in hand I think three points above them like you said it's perfect symmetry right in the middle but seven points is nothing you know but is it seven points I don't think you need to look over your shoulder I think they definitely should be looking up I think if Argyle was getting to playoffs they would be absolutely scraping in if I'm honest because if you look at the the teams up there I mean Shrewsbury and Wigan aren't really poor you know well, I wouldn't. I just think we'll go on definitely automatic motion. Shrewsbury, I would think worst case scenario is the playoffs for them now. Mm. It's just like you said; these five games coming up just look so key, don't they? And Doncaster, right by our garden in the table, I think, and 
you know, Wigan at home will really give a good indication of where our goal are. Yeah. I think, yeah, it might be a little bit controversial if our goal go up this season. Some would it be too soon? You know, um, I think it, getting back into the championship is, is going to be the aim, isn't it, for Derek Adams in the next couple of seasons? But if if they go up, would it sort of be a Yeovil Town scenario where they come straight back down because perhaps the infrastructure isn't in place and, and things like that? Uh, that's just from an outside perspective. I'm sure no fans <laughs> want to hear that. I think if they went up, they could make it work, but they're going to need the right investment, aren't they? Yeah, well, it's interesting. So we have a question here from Ben saying, if Plymouth get promoted to the Championship this season, where would it put the club? Is it too optimistic? And can Plymouth ever be a Championship club again? It's not too optimistic, you know. Hmm. Anything can happen in football. You know, look at the FA Cup third round and all the giant teams that's just been. And anything can happen. And when you're on a run like this, like Baron and Chris were just saying, you know, confidence is sky high. and No one can be too complacent. But I don't think Dirk Adams will let his players be complacent. You think of where they've come from since sort of autumn time and in November where they were. But probably not a great example because your biggest rivals. But Exeter, sort of second bottom in League Two, got to the playoffs last season, didn't they? You know, it's, it's, it's doable. It's definitely doable. You put a run together in any of the EFL leagues. It's so tight in League One. Anything can happen. And I think, you know, our goal could scrape into playoffs. I'm not sure that's a too big a risk. I think maybe got to get someone to replace Dear, uh, how do you say his name, guys? Dear Garaga. dream when you're a football fan can't you that's part of the deal isn't it you know you have the lows when things aren't going well and you wonder why you do it and then when your team's doing well you're allowed to get a little bit carried away and dream and think about things that's the difference between being a fan and being a professional football manager or football player you have to take the um, the emotion and the highs and the lows out but you enjoy it while it's going well but not get too carried away and take it for granted yeah Absolutely, it's that cliche, that's what Dirk Adams should be saying to his players in one game at a time sort of thing. So, I can hear him say it in his Scottish <laughs> yeah. accent. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. But no, I've got everything crossed for our goal making the playoffs. I think it would be absolutely fantastic for, for the city as well. Uh, moving away from the first scene for just a second, um, Baron, I'll put this one to you. Obviously, the FA Youth Cup happened on Friday mm, night with the under-18s yeah. <clears throat> going up to Burnley and another fantastic result for them, winning 1-0. Um, as I say, you're at the game. Mm. Enjoy your trip up north. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a strange one, really. I think um, it's going to be quite rare for us to have another youth game on a Friday night. I think that was the big problem. The fact it was a Friday night, it was the night before a first team game, and the fact it was uh, it was six hours up the road. So uh, myself and Dave Roundtree, the club photographer who provides all the pictures for the Herald, um, he and I uh, jumped in the car and, and drove up uh, up and back on Friday. Got back to Plymouth uh, in the early hours of Saturday morning. And then we were both at the uh, the first team game on Saturday as well, so it was a, it was a long 24 hours for us. But um, thankfully, as I said to Chris on Saturday night, at least we got two results that we wanted. It was um, it's a wonderful stadium at Turf Moor. I hope um, I hope many of the Argyle fans will get the chance to see it again in, in the coming years. But um, obviously, there's a lot of money floating around up there now with the, the success they've had over the last few years. And Dave Roundtree's been doing it a lot longer than I have, and he said he's seen the drastic changes and improvements at Turf Moor. Uh, because of the, the success they've had on the pitch, um, so it, it was it was it was a chilly evening, but um, it, it was 
felt very wholesome to be there. You know, we'd started this this campaign with the FA Youth Cup. We'd seen the the home victories, and it felt like the right thing to do to go up there and follow them up there. And um, Burnley were very very accommodating, very very friendly club. Uh, made us feel very welcome. And uh, I, I said on Twitter on the night as well. Like, I don't like Man City. I don't think Burnley dominated the game. You know, they, they weren't peppering the goal for ninety minutes. So they, they were on top, and they were the better side and had more chances. But they weren't peppering them. And but I think you have to give Argyle credit for that. That's three and a half hours now against Premier League academies mm. and they haven't scored. I mean, so you have to give them credit for a good defensive play. And much like the first team in away games, they took their chance right at the end. They went on the counter-attack and, and put the ball in the back of their when they needed to. And it's the first shot on target I can recall from the evening. And it was absolutely pandemonium at the end. I mean, there was a few, maybe a few hundred fans in there, mainly family and friends. It was a terrific noise though from those people that did, that did make the, make the journey north. Uh, and it was just it was just brilliant to, to share it with them. I mean, we were dreading extra time yeah. and uh, the time it would take us to get home. But um, yeah, fair play to them, and I, I think they're very excited now for the next round draw. And obviously, they've got a, a really really good chance of getting another big Premier League side, possibly at home park. Yeah, I think the draw for that is later on this week. Is that Kevin Hodges doesn't know? I asked him yesterday, and he said he still doesn't know. But his hunch is um, the back end of this week. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic result for them. So, moving on to Diagaraga then. Obviously, that was the big sort of talking point from the weekend, despite Argyle's fine win. Um, a few questions from people. Michael Eddy, Morgan Lewis, saying probably the question on everyone's lips, where and how are Argyle going to replace Tumani? Well, it's not going to answer easy. that one, eh? Well, it's not going to be easy for starters, because clearly Tumani Diagaraga um, made a really big impact. Three goals in 17 games, assists. Uh, experience, um, you know, Argyle's record in those games was was excellent, wasn't it? So yeah. he is not going to be easily replaced. Um, we asked Eric Adams after the game on Saturday how he was planning on doing it, and um, I think he will look at one or two options within his squad, and then obviously see if there's one or two options outside of the squad at other clubs that he might be able to bring in and see how it goes. Now. Um, I floated the idea over the weekend about where does Anthony Sarsavic fit into things going forward because he is a midfielder who is capable of doing something similar to Dia Garaga in terms of the way he plays, getting forward, getting goals. Now, um, he hasn't done it consistently enough for Argyle during his time at the club. So if he's going to replace Dia Garaga effectively, he is going to need to raise his level of performance. Um, but it's more the consistency, isn't it? Yes, but I, I think he's got the ability to do that. Um, you can then go into all sorts of whys and wherefores. Are they going to need to tweak the team around a bit? Are you going to play Jan Songo in the deep midfield position and then move David Fox forward and then play carry on playing the three there? Um, are you going to be able to find somebody from outside the club who can do something similar? I think they'll be hard pushed to find somebody with the, the same sort of experience and pedigree as Dia Garaga and get him in. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see what Derek Adams has, can come up with. Um, it's clear from what's happened over the last few days that he's known for a while that this was probably the likely outcome. So I would have anticipated that he'd already been working on this. It's, it's not just suddenly gone into his office this morning and thought, right, am I going to replace yeah. Tamani mm-hmm. Diagaraga? So the, there'll be options on the table, as, as, as with all football managers at this time of year, they'll have any number of plates spinning and trying to keep every, as many options and, and, and see how it goes. One good thing, I suppose, in the way is that Argyle have got three games between the end of between now and the end of January. It's not like there's masses of games, so Derek Adams can focus on, on strengthening his squad. And there's, you know, if, if they if they have to go with say Songo Fox 
uh, Sarsovic for the next couple of games. Um, while he's trying to find the right player to bring in, you know, then so be it. But I mean, clearly, Baron, he, he he's going to be a big miss, isn't he? Massively. I look back to our video we did when when he first arrived before mm. the um, the MK Dons game in mm. the Central League, and um, we said then that if the fitness didn't prove an issue, he mm. would be a fantastic addition, and so it's proved. I mean, you look at his pedigree; it's it's phenomenal. I mean, he's, he spent most of his career in the Championship, and he's not just been treading water; he's been he's been doing well in the Championship. Yeah. And I think um, the noises we'd heard is that. Um, he'd had some off the field issues over the summer didn't quite get as fit as he wanted to things didn't quite work out Leeds I don't think the Leeds manager fancied him so he was always you know, looking for a new club for whatever reason began his sort of pre-season if you like a little bit late wasn't quite fit enough uh, went to a few clubs like Scunthorpe Scunthorpe didn't quite think he, he fitted in with what they needed and it was just a perfect fit really I think Argyle a, a few people asked over on Twitter over the weekend you know why has this happened it's Diago Argo sold the club short and I don't think he has you know, he's been here three months he's played 17 matches they've got more than the money's worth out of him I mean he's mm. been phenomenal um, and I think Argyle gave him the platform to put himself in the shop window as crude as it sounds that is the way football works Diago Argo needed a club to play football at he's got that he started every game he needed to uh, and Argyle Argo have got a good player out of it so I think um, you know, there was no fee involved in terms of buying Diago Argo so in terms of value for money I think Argyle have been very very well out of it so um I think it's something we will look back on fondly in years to come. I mean, in 17 matches, he's done incredibly well. Uh, it'll be a bit sore at the moment, but I think most people, I've been quite surprised actually by how many people have understood the decision on yeah. Twitter. I mean, we know what to- Twitter can be like for how toxic it can be, but the vast majority actually see why he's made the decision. Yeah. Obviously, you've seen the under-18s, and a player that yeah. Derek Adams rates really highly is Cameron Sangster. He does, yeah. he's, he's a centre midfielder. Mm. Not the same type of player as no, Steve Braga. But perhaps he could come in and, and again, the team can evolve and, and get him involved in the first team. Yeah, it's, it, it is a fascinating topic, the youngsters, isn't it? And, and um, people would have said that, that with, with Argyle struggling in League One, wouldn't have been the right time to throw them into a relegation battle. But then people will now say, well, now they're doing okay and the club is thriving on confidence. Is it the right time? And I, don't, I think it's a romantic idea that people love. But I think in practice, it's just I just don't think it will work. They've got to be good enough. Yeah, well, yeah you've got to be good enough. Sangster is technically yeah. very good. But yeah. for instance, he didn't run Friday night's game. And if he's going to be going into our Argyle's team and even thinking about playing minutes regularly, he's got to be running games like Friday night. I think Adams has alluded to that kind of thing, that he wants to see Sangster in these lesser games to go in there and run the match. And he, he played well, but he didn't do that. So I think if he's not going to run a Youth Cup game, he's not going to go into, into League One and, and make a huge difference. Yeah. Now, we've had a question for you, actually, Baron, from That's Billy Truby. Nice. Yeah. Thank you, Billy. Uh, do you think we will keep up this record without Tumani Diagraga, who's been great for us? <laughs> nice, easy one. <laughs> you can't predict the future, can you? I no. think um, it's a very, very tough question. And the question that Adams, as Chris has said, will have been planning for. Um, You've got to hope that they will. I think again on Saturday, we um, cynical people would have would have said, you know, is it a bit of a risk playing Diagaraga in his last match, knowing that he's going to be on his way? Is he really going to be fully committed? And he was. And even on Saturday, you can see in, in, there were several flashes, including the goal, where you think he, how much of a difference he does make. He's a he's a real midfield destroyer. You know, he, he's a, he's a real all round dynamic midfielder, and I think they will miss him. But um, it's hard to it's hard to predict. I think. I don't think he's the only one that's playing well. I think the vast majority of the team is playing well, so they've got a very good chance of keeping up the record. And of course, you can't say that they've played they've played well for this entire period just because of Jaguar. You know, there's 11 men on the pitch, as Adams has always been keen to point out, it's a team game. So they're going to be weakened, 
they've got 10 players there that have been doing a good job for a while now yeah uh, Chris question from Richard do you think it is time Derek Adams started to ensure his best players don't slide through his fingers by offering contracts which reflect their value to Argyle I think in this situation he was he didn't have much choice did he um, yeah it's, it's always a difficult one isn't it what are you going to be prepared to offer players and can you afford it and what length of contract do you give them um he would like to have kept Timani Diagaraga. There's no two ways about it. Um, he's 30 years old, though. He's not going to have any transfer value sale on. So mm. you have to sit and look at it from a business point of view and say, you know, what are we? Uh, if we throw money at this player, what are we going to get back in terms of it? And uh, it's a difficult one. From from what I understand, Fleetwood Town offered a lot more money mm. than Plymouth Argyle. We're not talking about a few quid here or there. We're talking a lot of money. Now, people might scratch their heads and say, well, how come Fleetwood Town can, can afford way more wages than Plymouth Argyle? They have got a rich benefactor yeah, who's very rich, pumped yeah. a lot of money into that football mm. club. Fair play to him for doing that. Um, it's, his, it's his local club and he's taken them from non-league to League One. They've signed Paddy Madden from Scunthorpe United. He's not going there for a bag of crisps. No. right? They've signed uh, Geffen Jones from Everton who was a, an Argyle loanee. Again, won't be going there for nothing. You know, they've got a lot of money, and the location as well is an issue with Tamani's family being in Leeds. And yeah, Fleetwood's not exactly on the doorstep of Leeds, but it's about four or five hours closer than Plymouth is. So that's a so that's a big factor. So, yeah. what what have Argyle got to do to try and keep players? You know, they've got to have a really good environment. They've got to have a good ground. They've got to have a good infrastructure. They've got to have a good team spirit. They've got to have a manager that knows what he's doing, and they've got to build up a camaraderie and a spirit and an identity where players think, well, you know what? I might have to live away from home. I might not be able to earn quite as much money as I can at other clubs, but I want to buy into this idea yeah. and. That's the only way I think you can really you can really work at it, unless you get to a stage where you have a rich benefactor, which James Brent has, has never ever said that he's going to throw no. money willy nilly at players. No. Unless you've got an owner or a chairman that, that does that, then those are the sort of things you've got to look to try and do. And and you know, Diogo has come in. He was basically like a loan signing for three months. Now the skill for Derek Adams is to come up with another player of if he can, of some sort of similar standard. Yeah. Michelle, I'll put this question to you. It's from Chris Slade. Um, obviously, you know, with where you live and what have you, coming down to Plymouth is a bit of a trek in terms of your work. Uh, Chris Slade's asking, how big a factor is our geographical location in the reluctance of many potential permanent and loan signings to join the club? Yeah, I hear what you're saying. And I hear what Chris is saying with that question. Uh, but like the guy said, you know, it's just about creating that environment that makes it worth that sort of extra hour past, you know, the motorway, as it were, where the M5 ends. I don't, I don't find that far, but then I, I travel over the country. But it is, I suppose, out on a point. You know, if you're a youngster playing up in Liverpool, do you want to move your life for six months down to Plymouth? That's a long way away from your family and your friends. I just think, like the guys were saying then, it's just about getting past that and creating that environment. Players, you know, want to be there. But, yeah, let's be honest, but the ground needs work. It needs to be attractive. If you know, someone show a young potential permanent signing, Plymouth, Plymouth's a lovely city, you know, it's by the sea, and it's got everything you need sort of thing, but... It's getting them down here and getting them down there in the first place, Michelle. Yeah. I mean, if you think around the Bristol area, if you go within an yeah. hour's travel time from Bristol, look at all the various yeah. clubs you could I'd get like to. to. Say, yeah, um, exactly. If someone's based in London, yeah. would yeah. they go to a club like Twindon instead of Plymouth, even though it's like... 
a leap below, just if they're young, to be near their family and their friends, you know, especially if it's a loan move. Mm. I don't know, I, I, I'd, like to, I'd like to think, you know, that Derek could, could have a way of words to get players down there. But, yeah, I think you can't hide away from the fact of where Plymouth is, you know, in the country. But that is a disadvantage for sure. Even clubs along the south coast, like Bournemouth, Southampton, they're only like an hour and a half from London. Whereas, what, how far is Plymouth from London? About three and a half, four hours? Yeah. So... You know, that, that is, is definitely a factor, but it's about overcoming that because there's nothing you can do about it. You, know, mm. you are where you are. You can't pick them up as a city and move it. So it's just about Argyle making it an attractive proposition. Yeah, the wages and things aren't there, and yeah, the geographical location probably goes against it. So those two things already go against Derek Adams trying to recruit. But I just think that he's a really good manager. He brings out the best in a lot of players, and if he can just do some sweet talking and, you know, the board to do some sweet talking in the January transfer window. Just, you know, just see it as a challenge, don't see it as a negative. Yeah, let's just hope the uh, chairman of MK Dons isn't listening and tries to relocate the club to Dublin or something like that. Because you, <laughs> you, 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 you give a good character a player, don't you? And I think um, <laughs> it's, gonna happen. it's always going to be certain. I mean, people, people like Fraukel jump to mind. You know, yeah. Being down from Bolton yeah. and he sort of really bought into it. And yeah. That, that's that's what Adam's job is at the part of the recruitment is he's got to find the right characters that are willing to make that move which is why so many come from Scotland because sort of a lot of the players in Scotland are looking for a way back into the English game and will, will take yeah. you know, most places they can get and they realise that Plymouth is a long way away but if you're going to have to fly from most places it makes no difference how long that flight is to get back home I think it's a positive yeah. if you can get a youngster to come down here as well yeah. because it obviously shows that they want to be playing football Absolutely. You know, they're yeah. not going to come down yeah. here unless they're sort of going to be playing first they realise they've got to put in those hard yards to make a career for themselves absolutely absolutely yeah and so then, like, honestly like, if Timothy if Algarve got into the, the championship that's a game changer as well yeah true yeah so looking forward then um, obviously we say the next five games are make or break for the Pilgrims starting with Doncaster on Saturday um I mean, this is an interesting one. As you mentioned earlier in the podcast, Chris, there's this sort of uh, rivalry that's developed over the last 12, 18 months with more so the managers than anything else. Well, it's two good teams. You know, they were very neck and neck last season, yeah. weren't they? They're, um, they're very adjacent to each other again this season. Doncaster are banging form. In the league table. Doncaster are a good form. They're a good team. They've got a nice setup at the Keep Moat Stadium. You know, there's the history between Derek Adams and Darren, Darren Ferguson. You know, they're, they're both, you know, like their dads, they're very competitive, they want to win. Um, there's a fair little bit of mind games that goes on and, and things like that. And that's all, all good and all part of the fun and the, the hoopla of games between the two teams. And, um, you know, you, you do occasionally get these little rivalries that run for a while. Like I had one with Luton Town, you know, that don't make any sense in terms of a true rivalry. But, you know, the two teams that are evenly matched, trying to have the same ambitions, achieve the same things. And, and you feel that like Argyle and Doncaster are both clubs that, you know, have got themselves into League One. Both feel that they can get into the Championship at some point in time. It might not be, you know, this season or in the next couple of seasons. But clubs that want to try and push their way up. And, um, yeah, I mean, we've, we've seen some good games between the two teams. Uh, and Argyle have done pretty well in, uh, in encounters with, with Doncaster. But... Um, yeah, tough trip up to Keith Mo- Keith Mo Stadium on Saturday, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, Michelle, what, what about you this weekend? Where are you? We don't know. We find out sort of midweek. So, oh, OK. Uh, I know Bristol City are at home, so uh, possibly Bristol City. I think Kyrgyz is a 12.30 kick-off it's on the telly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll go anywhere sort of up to North Midlands, across to London, <laughs> down to Brighton, down to Kumpargar. Right. So uh, who knows? But hopefully nice and local because I've been travelling a lot recently. Yeah, and one final question from Billy Treby again. He's asking, when are you next down at Home Park? I guess you don't know at the moment. No, exactly. Look, if you go on a, an amazing run 
you know, flirt with the playoffs, then maybe we'll come down a bit more. Unfortunately, the way it goes in the, the second half of the season, we concentrate sort of on, on the clubs that are in those playoff positions throughout the EFL. Uh, but then, you know, if you've got, you know, the, the clubs at the top visiting, you might come down for those games. So we'll have to see, but hopefully soon. Indeed. Well, that's all we've got time for this week. Uh, thanks for coming on the show, Michelle. No worries, thanks, guys. And uh, we hope to have you on again sometime soon. Yeah, definitely. Maybe we'll be talking about playoffs next time. Indeed, we want to. <laughs> and Chris, thanks for joining me as well. That's all we've got time for this week. Thanks to you out there for listening as well. We'll be back again with more of the same next week. We are always happy to hear from you. And if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account at Herald PAFC or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.